thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com you're listening to the john dipetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com folks it's thursday the circus continues regarding that's right kevin mccarthy I'm not sure where this is going to go. It's getting very, very heated. I also want to touch on this fact that um, I, I thought it was very unfair what happened with the way the city was portrayed in Woonsocket. Uh, this whole business saying that they evicted these people from this homeless encampment. And by all accounts, that's, again, I according to uh, Department of Public Works Director Stephen D'Agostino, the city wanted to clean up an area, Truman Drive, fallen trees, limbs. They noticed the encampment. They were notified weeks ago. They had to leave by a specific date, given information, homeless shelters, plenty of nonprofits. I think what upset some people was he said they need to do a better job. So when they cleared the encampment Wednesday, one or two people were still on site, but they, they claim up to five have been living there. So they said there were hypodermic needles, debris in the area. But this whole business that the city somehow is doing something wrong by clearing people out of this land, I, I just have a problem with it. Now, tension is really high. You know, it's also playing out regarding the situation with Kevin McCarthy and the speaker. It's also playing out right on Fox between Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. Sean Hannity is clearly with still Kevin McCarthy. Tucker Carlson is starting to break and go with the insurgents. So last night, if you saw this, I want to play it. Representative Lauren Boebert appeared with Hannity, and she's one of the ones holding out. And it got very, very tense, very, very fast. And Sean Hannity seemed very, very frustrated. This is uh, some of what it sounded like last night on Fox. Saying the president, you said complimentary things about President Trump needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes. It's time to withdraw. Let me turn the tables, Congresswoman. Kevin McCarthy has 202, three votes. Your side has 20. So if I'm going to use your words and your methodology and your math, uh, isn't it time for you to pack it in and your side to pack it in, considering he has over 200 and you have 20? Sean, I understand the frustration. I promise you, but I'm not um, frustrated. he does you didn't not have the votes. And we are hearing, we I'm are not, hearing I'm from many frustrated. people who are still voting with Kevin McCarthy, You're who are very supportive of what we're doing, and they're cheering us on. So there are more for us than are against us, and they are waiting for Kevin to cave. Okay. Um, you know, the American people are certainly frustrated by. I'm frustrated okay. by you not answering a direct question. You said to President Trump, you you said earlier today that President okay. Trump needs to tell and Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy you don't the have the we votes. Need to come up oh, with a can I finish? Candidate to elect a can I finish? The House. You don't have the votes, and it's time to withdraw. He has 203. Your side has 20. Why is it time for him to withdraw and not you when he has so many more votes? 
Well, Sean, he needs 218, and he does not have 218. We've been trying Neither to work this out in private, as you said, for months. But Kevin McCarthy didn't even want to listen to us until his disappointing midterms. We all want a unified party. But this isn't chaos. It's a functioning constitutional republic. When everything is said and done, okay, like uh, House up. Republicans will be stronger and better prepared to lead than we ever have before. I believe that this read? is what our founding fathers intended, and okay, this is showing yesterday that you our voted. votes are working. Our votes aren't just an, uh, a cast. Congresswoman, I'd ask you not to filibuster. Yesterday you voted, and Jim Jordan was your choice. Uh, today it was Byron Donalds who was your choice. Uh, tomorrow, I don't know who you're going to vote for. But the bottom line is you still only have 20 votes. Let me ask you this. Kevin McCarthy... we're proving that we're open to a menu of options. Many you're different you're people proving that 20 speaker. people There's don't want Kevin McCarthy man. at this time. But my question to you is we're this. We're proving that there are many options. My question to you is, did you support Kevin McCarthy's commitments to America... And do you not believe that he's going to follow through on his written promises? His commitment to America is not as, as strong as I would like it to be. And we have been working on the rules to change the structure of how Washington, D.C. Is, is run and operated. Sean, you know more than anybody how broken this town is. This is something that we have an opportunity to rebuild, to restructure. And it takes he, the right tools and the right leadership to do that. Border security, energy independence, debt reduction, and when earmarks. And we asked him to put forward the Texas-built okay. border plan, he and refused. Then, and then, well, he's willing to bring back the, the exact plan that worked under Donald Trump. And then he also has pledged investigations into the FBI and DOJ, the influence peddling of the Biden family, the origins of COVID and Anthony Fauci, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. My question is... Right speaker. Do you support it's not going all, to be Kevin McCarthy. Do you support all of those agenda items he promised? Of course I do, but I do not trust Kevin McCarthy at this point to deliver on those promises, especially when I go into good faith negotiations with him, and then he comes out and lies about what those conversations were, um, saying that members demanded... Okay, that's a, your characterization. He's not here to answer. We want... So well, let me ask fine. you this. He's already you, apologized you to others... one member in private because he won't apologize to him in public for spreading lies okay. about that meeting. Here's my question. So you and others fought hard for a motion to vacate with only five Republicans able to trigger that, that, that motion. Uh, Kevin McCarthy didn't want to give it to you, but he did give it to you in the end. To me, that's kind of an insurance so, Sean, policy. I... Can I finish? But he didn't all the way. He did Wait not. Sure. He, he gave you what you asked for, and one of the things that I've been asking people, I'm asking you tonight, who is your final choice for speaker, and if you can't get more than, let's say, 30 votes, will you follow your own advice uh, that you were asking Donald Trump and withdraw? There are certainly names that are be being floated around, and hey, maybe I should nominate President Donald J. Trump tomorrow. But Sean, I, I did watch your show last this night, a game and I show? want to set the like record straight on this motion. This motion to vacate because he did not give us this motion to vacate. I'm showing there's a, a, a whole consensus of other candidates. But I'm, not, I'm trying to understand but how you're thinking This motion to vacate, Sean, you need to understand that, that Kevin McCarthy did not give us my hard red line. He fought and for this it. is a century old, a centuries, no, he did not. 
No, he, well, I know that he made the promise. That was written by Thomas Jefferson and every speaker since 1837 with five members, Sean, with five members, not one member to offer the motion to vacate. So my question is this. You haven't answered my question. So if you have... You cannot yesterday you supported, yesterday you supported Jordan, today you're supporting Donald. That's not the way this Donald's. works. We need a check and a balance on the third in line. Who is your fight? Let's have a final answer. Who do you want to be the leader of the conference to decide? We need to come together. Who do you want? I'm asking who you want. What does it look like life after Kevin? We need to find like to somebody who can actually unify, unify the Republican Party. Listen to this. I would like to know. Let some other folks start offering there other There are 203 people and you have 20. I respect the 20 of you. I respect all of you. But I'm asking you, based on your own words, you as well. who is your final... Let's have a final answer. Who do you want? Who will you only support to be speaker? It's not that hard. I am willing to have conversations with the Republican conference to come up with a consensus candidate. We are offering people right now. It doesn't have to be a member of the Freedom Caucus. It doesn't even have to be a solid half, conservative. Way, more, but we have more to than have half those the tools Freedom Caucus in place. supports McCarthy. So we you have don't have, have you don't even have a name. Because there, and we're there now going into day three. <laughs> when you are threatened by committee chairmen oh, to gosh. not be placed by steering members, right, let me ask uh, a final question. If your final, if your final candidate, listen to this, Sean Hannity, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Wow. Folks, they're on the same team. This is live on Fox. It's about Ukraine. Congresswoman, you agree, and I agree on most things. We don't disagree on many yes, things. Yes, Sean. And, and I, I do have respect and for I you. And I believe that history did, will show however, that I'm on the right side of this, Sean. Oh. Well, you, you can believe in your position, but I'm using your words. You said to President Trump, you said, we're very clear. He doesn't have t- 218, so you need to ask him to withdraw. If by Friday, you and your group of 20 don't have a name with 30 votes, is it time for you to withdraw? And if not, why do you support a double standard? Last question. Kevin McCarthy does not have 218 votes. Kevin McCarthy and you will have, not And you speaker. have 20. I, Kevin I asked McCarthy you a very specific question. If by Listen, Friday when we, when we you don't have right, 30... I will not, Sean. I will not withdraw. Our asks were, were not petty of Kevin McCarthy. They were not self-serving. We simply were asking for commitments on what the American people want to see. They want to see a vote on term limits, a vote on the Texas border plan to secure the southern border. And for crying out loud, Sean, we asked for a vote on a budget that actually balances. Imagine... Imagine a Congress that stops so spending you money that we don't have. We are going to get this you. right, and we are going to get the right speaker, Sean. If you only have 30, to be clear, you will not withdraw. 30 is going to be a beautiful number But you're to telling reach. Kevin McCarthy and the, and the 203 people that support him to withdraw because they don't have 218. That's what you're saying. Look, it's obvious by tonight's motion to adjourn that Kevin McCarthy and his supporters are already getting you, voter fatigue. And I, I, I asked I'm you a simple question, Congresswoman. I, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting a, a liberal I'm not going an to answer support Kevin liberal. McCarthy, Sean. Okay, so even if you only have 30 votes, Kevin McCarthy. you will not if abide by what you told President Trump to abide I don't believe by. I, I got will it. Be, I feel like we've made progress. Not, 
Look, I love President Trump. You're not going to turn me on him. You're not going to pit him against me. I'm not trying I to pit you. him against you. That's Trump. what you said to and him. I oh, wow. I have You're seen the, the broken trust. I have seen the lack of accountability. Well, we are, we are getting phone calls saying that we need to stop this. Kevin does All not right. have the votes for speaker. Wow, folks, this is in plan. And how about you had Dan Crenshaw saying those who oppose McCarthy, we can't let the terrorists win. Here we another go. Another scout, but another scout, whether it's whether it's Boehner or Paul Ryan or then McCarthy, Scalise would just be next. We all know it. We just can't allow that to happen. That's why those of us are saying, like, look, you pushed us into this corner, so now we're now we're saying we won't go for anyone but McCarthy. That's why we're saying it, because we cannot let the terrorists win. That, that's basically what's happening. Get another <laughs> scalp, get another scalp. He said that on the Fox Guy Benson show. You know, this guy, Byron Doug, uh, Donalds, though, from Florida. Now, this would be, he's only, he, last year was his first term, or excuse me, you know, he was elected in 20, so he served 21, 22. Listen to uh, Byron Donalds, though. He's, he had a good reply outside of, uh, they were asking him, he was talking to the media. Off Here we go. Worried about retribution after the fact there was threats that folks that weren't going to vote for McCarthy would be kicked off committees. Now you put yourself in a, in a pretty public position opposing the person that could be, be the speaker. Are you worried about retribution? Man, I'm 6'2", 275. I'm not worried about that. You worried about retribution <laughs> after the fact there was threats? That is a good line. And then Tucker Carlson. I mean, he he is backing Matt Gates and Lauren Bolbart and the Freedom Caucus, whatever. How about this line? You don't want to be ruled by a man who wears a Ukraine flag. Is this all about because of the funding to Ukraine? ...of simple electoral math, something that Kevin McCarthy is highly familiar with since he does this for a living. At this point, as of right now, facing that mathematical reality, Kevin McCarthy has two choices. He can either step aside and let somebody else do the job, acknowledging in the process that he is not the only person in Congress capable of being Speaker, or... He can try and win over the people who oppose him, as you traditionally do in elections. Or you've got reservations about Kevin McCarthy? You don't want to be ruled by a man who wears a Ukrainian flag lapel pin and lives with Frank Luntz? No problem. We get it. Let us tell you how he's better than you think he is. Let us try and change your mind. Let us try to convince you. In a normal race, that's what you would do. But that is not what Kevin McCarthy's team is doing. Instead, like the left, they purport to oppose... They're using threats and fear to force people to support the candidate. Anyone who opposes Kevin McCarthy, one of his surrogates explained today, is, quote, an enemy, a, quote, terrorist. That's their message. In a moment, we'll tell you how that message is working. <laughs> Folks, it is, um, it is a full civil war that has broken out within the Republican Party. It's Thursday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508 252 
3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885 4209. You are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. Folks, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website. Happens to be dipetro.com. If you ever miss a segment, you can listen there. Plus, there's merchandise and a lot more. Folks, it's time for our legal segment. Join us right now. He's one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He's our legal expert. Happy New Year and welcome back to uh, our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to start off with, boy, this first story, it's... um. It's so unusual because it's 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 virtually impossible to fire a public school teacher in in Rhode Island, public school teacher, period. But in Rhode Island and uh, this is a really interesting case. It's just bubbling under. I believe it was just filed. But this is a teacher claiming the. I I believe the reason he's claiming he was fired is because he wouldn't pay union dues. Uh, Well, first of all, Happy New Year to you, John, and to all your listeners. Let's hope it's a good one. Uh, Yes, this this is a case that's just breaking. Um, This gentleman is a teacher, um, and he at one point said, I don't want to pay union dues. He was a Westwork teacher. I don't want to pay union dues because the dues are used to promote uh, a political agenda, agenda that I don't agree with. So he worked it out with the union where a portion of his union dues would go towards union activities and a portion would go to funding student scholarships, I believe. So they they came up with an accommodation for this guy. And one of the reasons I think they wanted to do so is, and I'm not sure it's exactly applicable here, but some states are right-to-work states where you can yep. be in a union and say, I don't want to pay union dues, and you can't be terminated based upon that. Rhode Island is not a right-to-work state. I mean, as we all know, the unions have a stranglehold on many oh, things yeah. in this state, and uh, the right-to-work movement has never gotten any traction in Rhode Island for obvious political reasons. So this guy says, um, use a portion of my union dues for something else because I don't like your agenda. Then fast forward, he finally, in, in December of 2019, I believe, he resigns from the union and stops making any payment oh. of union dues saying, I'm not doing it. I don't want to be a member of this union, but I want my job. Now, the backdrop is apparently he was a really good teacher. He always got glowing reviews. His evaluations were always excellent. And in his complaint, um, he alleges that he was fired on a pretext. And the pretext was that Right after his review, so the sequence is in November of 2019, glowing review. December, one month later, 2019, he resigns from the union. Shortly thereafter, in February, two months later, uh, he's terminated. And they claim that the problem was that his teaching methods were too stern and not friendly, and he didn't participate enough with staff and students. Okay, 
Now, this was never mentioned at any student, I mean, excuse me, any, any um, job evaluation ever. Uh, no teacher evaluation ever disclosed that he was too stern, he was not friendly, he didn't mm. participate with staff. Silent, nothing. So in his complaint, he says, this is a pretext. They fired me for this pretextual reason because I quit the union. Now, he's looking for his job back. He's looking for monetary damages. He's got a very good lawyer in Joe Larissa, who's pretty well versed in municipal law. He's been involved in East Providence politics off and yes. on for years. Yep. And... I think that Larissa either reached out to a national organization or vice versa, but this plaintiff whose name is Lance Alata, yep, also has outside counsel who work with something called, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correct, the Mackinac or Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Huh. It's kind of like FIRE in the free speech area. Yeah, um, FIRE does free speech. This organization um, also looks at educational institutions and quote unquote looks for the free marketplace and limited government within the educational environment. So it's a right to work organization. Right. So they're going to try to get into Rhode Island courts Ooh. to prove that this guy should not have to pay union dues that it's a it's a first amendment issue it's a free speech issue it's a free expression issue and takes the position that he can't be terminated because he doesn't want to be a union member will this work in rhode island um i i think it's a very unique and interesting argument i think he's going to have a substantial uphill fight um but I don't know that this type of case has ever been brought in this manner for these reasons in this state. So they could make some law here. And as it heats up, it could become a very interesting political hot potato. Tim, Dad, how much does it help, though, to have one of these outside types of organizations? I know another one I talked to sometimes they're called the Pacific Legal Foundation. There's a number of organizations. Very competent attorneys, uh, but it, how much could it potentially help to have that type of assistance? It's huge when you get one of these outside organizations yeah. coming in to help out. They they do this all over the country. They take on unions all over the country. They're well funded. They have legal research. They've got teams of lawyers who can provide the local attorney with assistance in drafting memoranda of law doing legal research, providing the appropriate case law, uh, providing uh, to the local attorney arguments that have worked in other jurisdictions, steering the attorney away from arguments that have not worked in other jurisdictions. Um, it's a substantial resource for information and for funding. It, it's a big deal. Hmm. Folks, quick break. Watch where I had our legal expert, Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals 
help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, right before Christmas, uh, Nation was really riveted by, it looks like in uh, Ohio, really good police work, FBI working with the police there and then tracking this guy they believe is responsible for the murder of those college students. It, it's a little bit, people, I'm getting a lot of questions on people, the whole business of him being extradited. And it's also interesting, apparently he was stopped twice in the state of Indiana father was riding with him though um as far as in driving but just where do things stand with uh because once he gets back to idaho that's where i mean th- these are quadruple murder charges that he's facing well it, it strikes me that this defendant thinks he's the smartest person in the room yeah it strikes me that whatever he did here um i don't know did he want to see if assuming he is the the killer um was he looking to put himself in the shoes of a killer to know what it feels like to know how you set up the crime to know how you try to get away with it i mean if he thought he was going to get away with this um he didn't take into account that his dna would be in one of these registries he must have done one of these 23 and me things at one point if your listeners will recall, that's the same thing that led to the arrest of the guy in Rhode Island who killed the jogger and shoved him right. into a uh, trash bag. Yeah, City Park. They, they got him because of a relative of his who had done one of these DNA tests. So, um, in a crime scene like what would have happened in um, Idaho, there would have been lots of blood, lots of forensic material. You would think perhaps skin samples, hair samples, clothing, blood, um, who knows what else. But they were able to um, segregate apparently this guy's DNA from the other people who lived in that um, building. So they knew they could. And they've got um, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the white um, Elantra that he was driving. And they put the pieces together. And I think this was good police work in that yeah. they, held their, they held their cards very close. They didn't share a lot of information. They didn't do or say anything that could possibly tip this guy off. And I think they had him pretty early on. Now, it's, it's curious to me that this guy has the white Elantra. Um, he lives out in um, Idaho. 
He's a PhD candidate in this criminal justice, whatever he was PhDing in. So now he says, I want to come home. His dad flies out there, gets in the white Elantra with this guy, and they drive cross country. Now, I don't know if there was any forensic material uh, of blood, hair, anything else from these victims that might have found its way into this guy's car. But the dad either was totally oblivious of his son's involvement in this thing or went out to try to help his kid um, get out of Dodge, so to speak. Mm. And John, you bring up the point of the two. We're going to learn a lot more because right now Idaho's not saying much. But I find it curious that this guy was stopped twice in yeah. um, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Do you think it was random or do you think they were checking up on him to see what he was doing? Do you think they knew and they were yes. tracking him the whole way he was going across the country? Like, yes. who's in the car with this guy? Yeah. What's he doing? Does he have right. a hostage? Is this guy yep. in the passenger seat there by his own free will? Where are they going? And how's let's, he going to react? Right. And let's make sure we don't lose this guy. Let's make sure that we know where he's going. For all we know, they might have, when they stopped and put a GPS monitor on the car surreptitiously. Right. We don't we don't really know, but right. I don't believe those were two random stops. No. It, this doesn't, it's not, doesn't seem plausible. Yeah. And, and again, if the cops did that from a police perspective, if that's what they did, that's pretty clever police work because mm-hmm. they wanted to track this guy, make sure he didn't leave the country, make sure he didn't ditch the car somewhere. And um, he didn't. Tim, Tim Dodd, I received an email from a, a, one of our listeners. Um, I can't recall her. Helen, I believe, uh, wondering if, is he maybe setting up a defense about when they talk about DNA and that the father's DNA is now in the car and that could raise reasonable doubt uh, at a trial that, that it could be someone else within his family that the DNA matches. Well, it, it could potentially be that. I mean, I think this, this guy thinks he's too clever by half and I think he thinks he's going to outgame the system. Um, but clearly he didn't think it through. I mean, he, he had a car that was a scene early on and the cops were focused on it and he didn't really have the means to get rid of the car. Cause if he was Mm. trying to sell the car out there in Idaho, it would have raised a red flag. Right. He probably didn't think that, Oh boy, I uh, provided some DNA samples for one of these 23 and me things. That's a way they could potentially track me. Um, if he did this because he wanted to um, play out a scenario of committing the perfect crime, I mean, who knows what this guy was thinking, but if that right. was what he had in mind, he, he would have failed the course because, you know, he did a lot of really stupid things along the way. Now he says, I'm going to be exonerated. I'm going to fight this thing. I'm looking forward to a trial. Um, that's what every defendant says. Sure. But I would expect this guy will look forward to a trial. I think he and I think that at this I get the sense that he looks at this as some sort of a game. And yes. maybe I'm wrong, but I think he thinks that this is a very interesting high stakes game. 
Tim Dodd, um, before we go to break, th- this also seems to be an example of as much as people may not be aware of it, but, you know, it sounds like they had his when the FBI gets involved, they had his phone pinging near where he might have been stalking these students that their phone um, they didn't let on how soon that they had him. He was he was studying. I think it was like 12 minutes away. Uh, right in um, state Washington State University, I believe, which is in Pullman. It's right over the line from Idaho. But I, I just think it's another example that just because people can't see something and maybe they think they're being very meticulous, it's it's just you know the the authorities in this instance, the FBI that can investigate. They always they don't always show their hand the investigative capabilities that that they have. And and that becomes very difficult for the local police department because the Moscow police department, the national media was painting them like they were the keystone cops, that they had bungled the investigation. They didn't handle the evidence correctly. Now, time will tell. Look at in the OJ case. They didn't handle the evidence correctly. And um, the defense scored a lot of points. But the Moscow Police Department, they they held their fire. They didn't show their cards. Um, they were not cryptic, but they weren't forthcoming. The media was, you know, screaming and yelling, we need more information. What are you guys doing? You're screwing this thing up. And the whole time, it seems like either alone or in conjunction with the FBI, to your point, that I think they knew who their man was early on, and they just had to... Um, Tighten up the forensics. Mm. They did then release, you know, the photo. We'd like to speak to the driver of the white Elantra. Um, that was the only piece of, of evidence they, they really reached out to. It was also interesting. They, they didn't do any press briefings. They started just releasing things on their social media page. <clears throat> I'd be curious, Tim Dodd, I'm sure we'll find out farther along what his movements were right after they, you know, released the image of that car. Um, right. right. And, and depending on how early on they knew he was the guy, you don't know if they got court orders to like tap his phone or sure. look, look at his computer. I, I want, I mean, certainly if he did it, he's going to be ultimately found guilty of murdering four people and go away wow. for the rest of his life. I'm just curious about the dad. How much do they have on the dad? What did yep. he know? When did he know it? Did yeah. he conspire to try to, um, you know, destroy any of the evidence? Um, they don't have the weapon. They, they don't have, have the weapon. weapon. You know, did yeah. they ditch the weapon on their cross-country trip? Did they look for a good place? Did the dad assist him in getting rid of it? I mean, mm. what do they have on emails, text messages, phone yep. calls, as we say all the time, text messages and emails never go away. That's right. So one wonders what the two of them might have been um, communicating about in the days after this, these, this um, quadruple murder. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot, lot more in the days to come once this guy has been presented in court in Idaho then my understanding is under Idaho law, then the cops will be at liberty to um, disclose a lot more information than they've done so far. My understanding is that legally they're barred from giving out much more information at this time. They weren't sure if this guy was going to fight extradition. He is not. He's getting back to um, 
Idaho and under their law, I'm sure they'll be releasing what they can when they can. Um, You're right. Before we take it, he did release a statement through his public defender. He looks forward to defending himself and so forth. It almost sounds like he does view this as a game. That he somehow can out, outsmart them. I mean, he was a PhD candidate, so that's, is, you know, there's a certain mindset that goes with someone like that. It, it, my understanding, I think I've got it right, is that his public defenders have already asked to preserve what's ever left of the crime scene in right. that house yes. because the, the PD wants to hire its own forensic people to go in there and do their own forensic analysis which is a smart thing to do early on, because if this guy, um, if they don't have a weapon, you know, they got a car, he's driving, he lives in that area of um, Idaho, it's all going to come down to the um, DNA evidence and right. how strong it is, or can this team poke holes in it as the OJ team did 25 years ago? But potentially a home that had a lot of young people in and out would, would have a lot of DNA in that house. Absolutely. Um, so long way to go. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. We're sp- the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, it was March of 2019 when the Varsity uh, Blues case broke open. And uh, wow, here it is all these years later. And finally, Rick Singer uh, finds out his fate in a Boston courtroom where the whole thing began. Yep. Rick Rick Singer was the mastermind. He was intimately involved with most of these wealthy parents in setting up the uh, fraud um, funneling money to him, uh, funneling money as necessary to other intermediary players to get these um, kids accepted into these colleges. Um, early on, when he got caught, he became a cooperating witness. He pled. He entered a guilty plea early on. Got into a cooperation agreement, and. You know, the judge on Wednesday did acknowledge that Singer's um, participation was essential in leading to either the guilty pleas or the guilty verdicts um, um, for many of these parents. Um, Leading up to his sentencing, the government was looking for six years to serve. Um, The defense team wanted home confinement and probation. Um, the judge, I think, came up with a reasonable intermediary position and um, gave Singer three and a half years to serve in prison, followed by three years of supervised release and a fine or basically a return of funds that he took in the form of bribes. I believe that the number was $10 million. Now, he'll never be able to do that and pay it back, but that's what he got hit disgorged 10 million dollars 
three and a half years in jail, followed by three years of supervised release. He might have gotten a better disposition, but the government kept um, stressing with the judge that although Singer helped in many of these cases, I guess early on after he had entered into a cooperation agreement with the government, he was still on the QT trying to tip off some of his clients. Oh, wow. um, That um, there was an investigation afoot and they better look out and start to cover their tracks. And those that he attempted to tip off, the government knew or did find out that he was tipping people off. So I think that is what led to him catching jail time at all. If he didn't do that, he might have gotten, you know, home confinement or a year or less in prison. But I think the judge had to whack him because he did violate his cooperation agreement. Tim Dodd, uh, just final thing on Varsity Blues. It is an interesting scheme when you think about it. You have these parents of beans who are willing to do anything to get their children into these elite colleges, universities. Then on the flip side, you have these coaches that have some sway over who can get in, but they're on the very low pay scale of the, you know, there, there's a need. And then you also have those, the want. And he was basically the middleman saying, we're going to take this. I mean, I think Gordy Ernst is the coach at tennis coach at Georgetown. I think he was making somewhere like 75, 80,000 a year. And so you have these people where money's no object trying to get the kid in. And then he would just kind of peer it up and, and realize that, you know, where is the ceiling? How much were these people willing to pay? It seemed to center around, you know, somewhere around 300, 400,000. Uh, a lot of things can certainly go wrong, but for a while, this, this scheme seemed to be working pretty successfully. It was. And, you know, what the government gets Rick Singer on and some of these parents is um, it's a conspiracy. It's money laundering. Yep. It's fraudulent. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of crimes that uh, result from this uh, scheme that they had going on. But it's always been a little bit troubling. Of course, the folks that did it, they've all taken their punishment or gone to trial and won in a few yep. cases. Okay, so Rick Singer and these parents are trying to scheme a way to get their kids into school. Fine. Look at the other path that some wealthy people take. Right. So, you know, my kid wants to go to ABC University. Yep. You know, I'd like to endow one of the chairs in your history department for a million dollars. That's right. Um, you know, parents do this with many colleges, especially oh, yeah. the elite universities. Yep. Um, they'll endow a chair. They'll put their name on a building. Oh, there's yep. a building project going on to build a new blah bitty blah building. That's right. Gee, would you like to be one of the first um, donors? Sure, I'll pledge a million dollars. You know, okay, my kid's applying as a freshman. Um we all know how that works and it happens all the time. Um, but that, I guess, because it's above board and the parents are giving money in a different manner, um, it's not seen as a bribe. But if right. it isn't a bribe, then what is it? Yeah. Folks, we're with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, the next story is a little unusual. Obviously, we, years ago now, Aaron Hernandez passed away. His fiance was living in the area, in the North Providence area. 
and um, and it's a little convoluted that that there is a trust set up for the daughter that he had with her. However, now uh, because of some of the spending, it's actually being challenged in court, and they seemingly want to take away her ability to spend some of the money with this with the uh, Aaron Hernandez daughter. Well, the mother of this little girl has her own income stream that I believe she gets from the NFL. Yep. The the daughter um, has a different trust fund, which was established for her benefit. And it appears, appears it's alleged that the mother has been um, spending quite a bit of money on a wardrobe for herself, um, for personal trainer for herself, lots of things which seem to have no direct benefit for the child, but all benefit for the mother. So the mom is going through, I guess, the money that's earmarked for her. And she's also asking the trustee of the little girl's money to make um, distributions. So the trustee says, okay, what, what do you, how much do you need? And then she'll say what she needs. What, what, why do you need that much money? What are you spending it on? And when it becomes evident what the money is being spent on, and it's not for the benefit of the kid, the trustee is in court trying to limit, you know, what can be dis- given over to the mother without tighter scrutiny. This is, except for the fact that it's um, the child of Aaron Hernandez and the, and the mother, this happens all the time where oh. there's money that's to be put in trust for a kid, um, personal injury settlement for a child, all sorts of different things. And there's a great temptation, unfortunately, for parents um, to, well, I'll just dip into this a little bit because I need sure. X. Well, I'll dip in a little bit more because I need Y. We'll put it back later. Um, it's an unfortunate thing that happens frequently. The little girl is, I, I don't know how old, what, seven to eight years old. She's yeah. not in a position to monitor no. what the mom's doing with her money. And you know, the little girl, fortunately, has a trustee who is going into court saying, this has got to stop. I'm the trustee. I can't stand by and watch this happen. Um, I do think that the court will intervene and put far more restrictions on this mother's ability to um, spend and will have to more carefully document if she wants to spend money allegedly for the little girl's behalf, be much more specific as to what it is she wants to spend on and why it's in the kid's best interest because clearly um the allegation would suggest that mom is misappropriating the kids money for her own use uh folks who's with our legal expert attorney tim down tim two other quick stories one is last summer in newport it was a huge fiasco with some video of these guys were out these people were out and then they kind of got an altercation with the newport police and then come along you know here it is january uh people sometimes get surprised a lot of the stuff gets dropped but I, you know, just take us inside. There's a huge difference. Sometimes the heat of the moment or whatever's happening at that particular moment, things, you know, do require or there are charges brought. And then as they kind of go through the system, they uh, they find their way, you know, to be dropped in some fashion. 
Well, I, I remember when that uh, situation occurred, and yeah. I remember the video being on the news, and I couldn't believe that the young men had been charged because it looked to me, and again, videos, as we know, can be interpreted different ways, but it seemed to me that the cops were the aggressors, especially the, the guy that came along second, wound up getting like his head thrown into like a, a post and getting knocked to the ground. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like the, it seemed like to me that the cop was the aggressor. Now, ultimately the state dropped the charges against the two young men. And coincidentally, no criminal charges were brought against either of the officers involved. I think that clearly, at least one of the officers, based upon my recollection of the video, could have been charged. Yeah. Um, the, the young men both had really good lawyers. And I remember talking to one of them right after the case saying, this is preposterous. And he's like, this case is going to get dismissed. I mean, it was such a bad case. Yeah. It's just a shame that it took so long to work its way through the system. You know, these, these young men had to spend money to defend themselves. They had to pay good money to get good lawyers. And, um, in my view, it's a case that should have never been brought in. At least the AG's office had the good sense to drop it now before it went to trial. Tim Dodd, finally, uh, our friend Judge Caprio, who we're both friendly with and uh, very fond of, has enjoyed uh, being on the court in Providence. And it's become a not only a local phenomenon, but it's become a national phenomenon, even an international phenomenon. And yet here we are, the changing of the guard in what are we to make right now? Is this just posturing or um, what are we to make that that somehow right now they seemingly are still trying to maybe we don't have the answer, but trying to figure out uh, what his role will be within within the traffic court in Providence? Well, you know, there's a new administration. There's a new yeah. town council. There's always people vying to become judges. Um, I know John Lombardi, uh, who's a state rep, has been one of the um, assistant um, municipal court judges. Um, I think he's for some time wanted to be the chief judge, and I think the political uh, stars have lined up for him. So he is now going to be the chief judge of the municipal court. And Judge Caprio, I believe, is going to be... Um, the senior judge emeritus or a title like that. I'm not sure I'm saying it correctly. So he will still sit on the weeks during his rotation. Um, he will still be allowed to um, oh, film for his, um, uh, for his um, court um, show. Um, one thing that I found a little curious is this council saying, well, you know, he, he can keep doing this, but what's the city getting out of it? Well, for the judge, Judge Caprio, um, for years has gotten whatever his pay is to be a judge, but he gets no right. financial compensation for this television show that is produced. His brother, Joseph Caprio, he's the producer, the director, the creator. He is able to earn a fee from whatever the internal um, production of the show generates, but judge Caprio gets zero. So I'm not sure what the city thinks it should be getting right. um, from this. 
they get a hell of a lot of free publicity. Yeah. Um, there's goodwill for the city of Providence right. literally all over the world. Absolutely. Um, Judge Caprio, it seems to me, is like the best goodwill ambassador he for, is. for Providence. One of the best known figures in our state. And for Rhode Island generally. So I'm not sure what the expectation is. I, I think that he's been, you know, a positive role model certainly in Rhode Island and you know him well, I know him well, he gets letters, he gets videos, he gets material from literally all over the world that people love him and love watching his show. They look up to his judicial temperament. Um, So the fact that he's going to get to remain as the senior judge emeritus, he will still get to sit And my understanding is he still gets to, um, bring in the, the cameras for his show. It doesn't cost the city anything. They right. don't they don't contribute a nickel. They don't provide any extra staff. They don't help with the cameras, with the lighting. They don't do anything. Oh. And the, the city employee, Judge Caprio, can get no other compensation from this TV show. Right. Um, and this has all been already hashed out with the Ethics Commission. So... I hope the judge gets to stay on. He does a great show. I love watching it, and I wish that he can do it for many years to come. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, again, Happy New Year. Great job, as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Attorney. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company. 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service matthews oil company 401-942-7500 24-hour emergency service right jim yes and for right now it is expensive for people you'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil yes we have budget plans we have uh we also take state uh we take state heating assistance we belong to every city and towns uh community action groups we've participated with that for 20 years we're actually 30 or 40 now since the 80s to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, dipietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link, contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube, 
or Twitter. It's all right there at the website to Petro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com this portion of our program is brought to you by the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln right off of 146 delicious food and drink always a nice crowd you can either eat in the lounge area there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge <laughs> 